The Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Butter got butter got butter got butter. Oh, jeez, we're on. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. My staff currently in the throngs of playing Fortnite, which is a video game for youngsters. Don't know why Brian's playing it, but he's always playing it. Tom is always playing it, and I am sick of it! Sick of it! They don't do anything I ask him to do. Not that I have any power, but you'd like to be able to work with your colleagues. And I can't, because they're playing video games. Pitt hired a coach, Jeff Capel. Pitt fans are all like, yo, we heard of that guy. It's a great hire. It might be. It looks good on the surface. He checks all the boxes, but here's the thing. Seven games under 500 in his coaching career as a head coach. It's not to say he won't be better this time around. It's not to say that this is not a guy who's a great recruiter. It's not to say that he won't be Pitt's next great head coach. All I'm saying is that when he was at Oklahoma, wasn't exactly great. Two NCAA tournaments in five years. Yes, he did get to an Elite Eight. Yes, he did win 30 games. But he didn't do it there consistently. And... He had some assistant coaches getting in a little bit of trouble. Little bit of trouble. Some impermissible benefits going on there. I'm not saying it's a bad hire, but I'm saying maybe just pump the brakes a little bit. All looks good on the surface. Better than what I thought they'd wind up getting. But the guy hasn't won a game yet. We might not want to crown him already. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Pitt wins the day. Let's see if they can win a conference game. Let's go to Jamel. Thank you for calling. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you for calling me. Um, I know Jeff. I had the pleasure when I was in college. He was a junior in high school, so had a chance to see him play. His dad was the college coach of the historically black college down the road. I wish he hadn't taken the job, but for not for reasons people think. One, I see how they treat Tomlin. So if they treat Tomlin like that, I think that Jeff is going to go the same route if he doesn't win. And two, uh, the recruiting is still going to be an issue. The players that in the regions that he recruit, those players won't come here. Jamel, you really wanted to talk to people about how you knew this guy today, didn't you? No, I mean... Oh, come on. Show starts at four and the phone's already ringing. You want people to know that you know this guy. No, it's... Again, when you have... When you are fortunate to sort of know someone in in passing, it's just... And you follow their career. I remember when, you know, Dean and all those guys would come to the gym and watch him play. Mm. I would watch, you know, he'd be at the HBCU games with his dad. So you sort of... You root for the guy, despite the fact he went to Duke, and I hate Duke. You know, you you want to see the guy do well, and it's just not necessarily set up for him to be successful here. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks. You found the Jamel Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. 
Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. That guy wanted people to know that he knows Jeff Cable. He's going to call Madden next. Then he's going to call the people across the street. Then he's going to call all the national shows. And I see what he's getting at with the Mike Tomlin thing. I understand where he's trying to poke around here. He's trying to make this a race issue before it's a race issue. Spoiler alert, Jamie Dixon, white, ran his ass out of town. Bill Cower, when they weren't winning, tried to run his ass out of town. If you can't coach, they're going to rip you for it. If you can coach and you have a down year, they're still going to rip you for it. Black, white, Hispanic, it don't matter. People are going to rip the coach when he loses. Maybe it gets ratcheted up. In fact, it probably does. But let's not say this town's racist before this guy's even coached a damn basketball game. The entire fan base is excited that they bring him to town, and you're calling me to say they're going to run him out of town because he's black? 412-922-2874. Tom, if you're not playing Fortnite, we need you to get on the production here and make this the Jamel show as fast as you can. All the bumpers out. It's the Jamel show for the rest of the show. Uh, I've got some uh, bad news. I am playing Fortnite. Oh, so. for the love of God. How you doing? I just came in 15th place. So Not bad, man. I'm Not hungry bad. for more. Not bad. Not bad. Good stuff. Are you playing right now? Um, Are you both playing this damn game right now? Dude, I can play and pay attention to the show. No, you can't. No, we can. We've been doing a good job so far. Look, you, you had the Jamel call. Yeah, I answered the phone. It's the Jamel show. We're all just playing our part. Come on, man. I mean... Look, it, the games don't last that long. Yeah, do your show. Yeah, just go on. You All do right, your show. Going, don't, worry about what doing we're show. don't worry about what we're doing. As long as you guys prove that you can do both at the same time, I'd rather you be happy than pouting all okay, over the place. That's, that's fan, big of you. Thank you. Yeah. Pitt fans are racist, and Jamel knows the guy. Look, see, I know. Yeah, we got it. We're on top of things. Yeah. Hmm. Paying attention. Jeff Capel is a fabulous recruiter. Fabulous. He brought Blake Griffin to Oklahoma. The Duke thing may be a little overplayed. I get that all the time. Well, he's a great recruiter. Look at all these guys he brought to Duke. He brought Zion there. No, you know who brought Zion to Duke? Coach K. Duke. The ACC. Duke's got a lot going in its favor. And sure, Capel was one of the things going in their favor. But Coach K is the straw that stirs that drink. Relax. It's a good hire. We don't know if it's a great hire. We don't know how it's all going to work out. I actually talked about something similar to this at the beginning of the pit coaching search. It's not the worst thing in the world for a coach to come in, be successful for three or four years, and then use Pitt as a stepping stone. As long as this coach leaves the program in a better spot than Kevin Stallings did, you're in a good spot. You're okay with that. You're feeling fine. And if Jeff Capel winds up going back to Duke after Coach K steps down, that means that he did a good job here. Duke's not going to hire him back if he is treading water. Duke's not going to hire him back if he doesn't know what to do. Duke's not going to hire him back if he can't recruit good players to the University of Pittsburgh. If four years down the line he's the Duke coach, I think it means that something good happened here. But I don't know the guy. Jamel, call back. 412-922-2874. Tell me if that's something you might think he'd do. 412-922-2874. Can you, can you try to give out the number as few times as possible today? 
just so I can get as less distractions as I can back here. Thanks. Whether Ben Roethlisberger plays three more years or one more year, we do know that the Ben Roethlisberger era is coming to a close. Mike Tomlin has acknowledged this. Kevin Colbert has acknowledged this. Art Rooney II has acknowledged this. The Steelers, in my opinion, need to do whatever they can to win before that window slams shut. According to some reports, the Steelers have shown interest in Mason Rudolph. They've shown interest in Darius Geis. I've watched Rudolph, the quarterback from Oklahoma State. He shredded my Mountaineers for years. I think he's going to be a solid pro. Many think Geis, the LSU running back, is going to be a first-round pick. While both players would likely help the Steelers in the future, the Steelers should not be interested in anyone that does not help them in the present. If the Steelers are paying Le'Veon Bell $14.5 million for 2018, then they're going to get their money's worth. Geis or another first or second round back would hardly see the field. Here's the compromise there. Try to find a running back in the middle rounds of the 2018 draft. Just last year, the two best rookies were found in the third round. Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were fabulous, and they really didn't have much expected of either one of them. A third or first round back could add depth to this year's team and be part of a running back by committee approach in 2019. That's the way to go. That would free the Steelers up to take an inside linebacker. It would free the Steelers up to take a safety or an outside linebacker in the first few rounds. That is, of course, if they don't draft the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph or another early-round quarterback wouldn't see the field until Roethlisberger's career was finished. Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin should bring in players who will immediately make this team better, not players who down the road are going to help. There's no guarantee that whatever guy that they do bring in as the franchise quarterback would be the franchise quarterback. You just don't know. They've got a franchise quarterback right now. That much we do know. So the Steelers have got to maximize this team's potential to win with him. Jamel just called back. He wants to know if uh, he can get residuals since it's the Jamel show now. He can. Tell him to call us again. I need to know. 412-922-2874. What he's got going on in his head right now as it relates to Pitt's new coach, Jeff Cape. Nick tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Where will you be broadcasting from PNC opening day? Will not be broadcasting from PNC opening day. In fact, I think we should go to Cleveland and broadcast from the Jake. And I've been an Indians fan so long that I know that it is not the Jake anymore, but I can still call it the Jake because that's how good of a damn fan I am. Andrew tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I want to see some live Fortnite gameplay. Would you stop it? What happened? We lose internet over there or something? What? What happened over there? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Did you die in Fortnite? I got fourth. That's good, man. Yeah, I was psyched. Dude. Congrats. I pulled off. Jackass with a sniper rifle just picked me off, man. I didn't even see it coming. Go ahead. Go on with your show, dude. We can't have dead air. The Jalen Show. Jamel. Whatever that guy's name is. It's his show. Now I got to pay royalties to Jalen, too. Jalen and Jamel. Todd Haley's gone because the Steelers' offense needs to, quote, keep moving. This, according to Mike Tomlin, got myself a little take here. Here's what Tomlin said. We were having some success when we made the change to Todd Haley from Bruce Arians. That's the nature of our business. It was the appropriate time and just as important, I thought, 
I had the appropriate guy to assume the role. I'm excited about moving forward with Randy. End quote. Changes are not always made because of the final numbers an offense puts up. Bruce Arians and Big Ben were very buddy-buddy. I mean, they were boys. Boys! Maybe so much so that the Steelers wanted to bring someone in who could rein in Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers wanted to get back to running the football. They wanted to get back to protecting the franchise quarterback, and it worked. Ben was sacked 39 times a season before Todd got here. He was sacked 27 times a year after that point. The Steelers prematurely retired Arians, and it wound up benefiting the team. They won with Arians. Ben put up good numbers, but it was time for a change. The Steelers now, though, think it was time for a change. They put up good numbers with Haley, but that doesn't mean that the time wasn't right to make the move. It's no secret that Ben and Haley didn't get along. That's not to say that they weren't... It's not to say they were moral enemies or they weren't great friends. I mean, they, you know, they had a working relationship. And it was fine. The hope is that this year can be a mesh of what Arians and Haley brought to the table. Randy Feetner is the old love child of Todd Haley and Bruce Arians. One night when... Bruce Arians is getting pushed out the door and Todd Haley was coming in. Maybe they had a little bit to drink, as they're both known to do. Tip a few back and Randy Feetner comes out later. Randy Feetner, I think, is the perfect meld of these two. He's a good buddy of Ben's. This has been confirmed to me on multiple occasions. But he's also going to protect the quarterback. They're also going to run the same offense that Haley ran. It's the best of both worlds. He's an OC that the quarterback gets along with and trusts, and the offense will continue to protect the franchise quarterback for his remaining time in Pittsburgh. I think it's perfect. Mike Tomlin addressed it at the owners' meetings the other day. Dale Lawley will be joining me here in a few moments, five minutes, in fact, on the Crowley Show, to discuss everything going on at the owners' meetings. Of course, we'll be talking about Jeff Capel all day long. Pitt fans are fired up, and I get it. But you're Pitt fans. You always put the cart before the horse. Maybe just take a deep breath or two. Good hire. Good name. Let's see if it works here at Pitt. Up next, Dale Lolly talking about Ben, talking about the Steelers in the present as opposed to the future, and more. You're listening to the Jamel Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Penguins play tonight. Pitt hired a basketball coach. The NFL owners' meetings are going on. So much to get to on today's show. So much. But we can't leave our smoky report callers out in the dust. If you see a cop on the road sitting there waiting on you in a speed trap, Give us a ring, 412-922-2874, and we'll let you know where they are, because nobody wants to get pulled over. He's bounding down, loaded up and trucking. 
gonna do what they say can be done. Breaker, breaker, one, nine. Say cheese, because we got a 20 on a Kojak with a Kodak. Handing out snapshots near the Pickle Park on 376 Sunset Bound. Give yourself a break check and drop that needle back. Else you'll be handing over your Hancock. It's Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, a Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or Bear in the Air. You give us a holler, we'll get you home without the extra freight. And remember, keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. He's pounding down, loading up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch your bandit run. Dale Lawley is live at the NFL owners' meetings. Lawley, Tomlin says he's open to some dramatic changes on the defense. What could he be referring to? Uh, new players. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do anything dramatic. And, and when they talk about, uh, people like to talk about, oh, they should move, move to a 3-4 or move from the 3-4 to a 4-3 and those kind of things. They already pretty much have. And he said the same thing today. He's like, look, we only play our base defense 26, 27% of the time. Uh, so we need hybrid type players, guys who can do different things. And, and he specifically mentioned Morgan Burnett as being a, uh, a possibility of being the, uh, the, the nickel and dime linebacker. So that would open up some, some safety spots uh, or a safety spot, um, you know, when Burnett would slide up into the box. Uh, and I don't know that they have that guy in the roster right now. Maybe it's J.J. Wilcox. Maybe it's Cam Sutton. Maybe it's somebody that they draft. How much did Tomlin speak to you guys the last couple of days about the staff changes, and how does he feel about the new staff, and what's that mean for him? How much does his job change trying to get acquainted with some new people? Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit, actually. And, uh, you know, he, he specifically mentioned uh, Tom Bradley when he was talking about, uh, you know, guys from the college level who've been teachers, and, and Carl Dunbar would, would fall into that, that as well, um, because you do have to do more teaching at the college level. Um, you're getting guys straight out of high school who really haven't probably had a lot of, of upper-level uh, football teaching going going on at the high school level. Maybe they just got by in their athleticism or what, whatever that may be. Um, so now you're, you're kind of teaching them how to read defenses, how to read offenses, how to read formations, those kind of things. And, you know, I think there's some value uh, to bringing in some guys like that. And, and Tomlin uh, – specifically pointed out the secondaries. Like, look, we get a lot of young guys in our secondary that, you know, we need to do a better job of teaching. And so, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of the process with these new coaches. Are you in an amusement park, Dale? I'm a SeaWorld, yes. Yeah! How about them ears, baby? That's what I'm talking about. Favorite fish, go. Uh, whatever's on my plate. Ah, uh, that's a good one. I knew that one was going to be there. I'm happy about that. What about the mammals? You, you like the mammals that are in the water? Uh, yeah, we were over looking at the beluga whale today. Nice little animal. The, the seals were very friendly. Uh, they'd swim up to the glass and, and uh, you know, kind of follow your, your hand around. They thought you had a fish in the hand. They're not real smart. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind the mammals. Do you happen to see the lead male from A Shape of Water? I did not. And you know what? I haven't seen that movie, so... There's one that you've probably seen, and I haven't. Of course, you you would go see a girly movie like that. It was about romance, Dale, but it was also <laughs> about awesome fish monsters, okay? Dale well, Lolly. There's fish sex. DKPittsburghSports.com okay. joining me here on the Crowley Show. Is your family there with you? They are, yes. 
Oh, that's okay. That's great. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have had you call me then. That's uh, it's my no, bad. That's all right. I, we're just getting ready to leave. I got to go over to uh, go to a dinner tonight, so uh, I'm getting ready to take them. But I did this stuff this morning. Got up at uh, by the way, at like six o'clock in the morning. Typically, when I get up at six o'clock in the morning, I'm going out to kill something. So <laughs> it was not, uh, you know, seems like it was a, a day ago that I got up. I'm just not used to getting up that early. Dale Lawley, murderer, uh, joins me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Dale, Todd Haley is gone because the Steelers' offense needs to, quote, move forward. This, according to Mike Tomlin, I like the way he put that. Uh, It wasn't as if the Steelers' offense was broken, but you want to move on before it gets broken. It's kind of like kicking a player to the curb before that player hits his expiration point. Well, and and let's be honest, I mean, I think... Ben Roethlisberger had a lot to do with that as well, like kind of going to the maybe, I don't know that he actually went in and gave an ultimatum, it's him or me, but I think the writing was on the wall there. Uh, there was no coincidence that as soon as the season ended and, and Roethlisberger had his meetings with, with uh, Tomlin, that he's coming out and telling uh, teammates that he wants to come play three more years. Uh, if, if Todd Haley were going to sign another three-year contract, then they signed their coordinators to three-year deals. So if Todd Haley were to, were to have signed a new three-year contract, I don't know that Ben Roethlisberger guarantees that he's coming back for three more years. So I think there's a little bit of that in play there as well. Dale, how much blame should Joey Porter take for the lack of development of a guy like Bud Dupree? I think there's certainly some blame there to be had. I mean, you know, I, I think um, you know Bud Dupree was going to need and, and still does need a lot of work. Uh, in his diagnosis of plays. And maybe he just can't, maybe that's just something that's beyond him. I don't know. I mean, the athleticism is there. Uh, you know, he's, he's fast, uh, straight line fast. Uh, he's strong. Uh, but it's just the, the, the development of the, of the football savviness has not come along. And that's the thing that you, you kind of look at and say, okay, maybe you can coach some of that into him. And they haven't done that yet. How close are you to the Ferris wheel right now? There's no Ferris wheel here. I'm sitting right underneath. If, if you've been to SeaWorld, I'm, I'm right near the Manta, which is near the, the front of the park. It's actually a, a suspended coaster. You it, you actually wade facing the ground, and it takes you up and down the hills. Oh. Woo! Uh, Tom, 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 oh, Tom. Gee, for the love Sorry, of God. Sorry, I, I clicked the wrong mouse. Would you stop <laughs> playing video games in there? <laughs> I got confused there, sorry. Were you playing Fortnite? Yeah, I, yeah, I used the next-gen mouse. <laughs> Would you shut up, Brian? Uh, Dale, they're playing video games here. Both of both of my cohorts are playing video games, and it's distracting them from the show. So what you're saying is that they're playing with their joysticks. Yes! It's keyboard, Dale. It's a keyboard. Okay. All right, just had to clarify that. Dale, how much should the Steelers look towards the future in the draft? I think you have to always have an eye toward the future to some degree. And I think, you know, when you look at the, that's another reason why they almost have to draft an inside linebacker. Um, you know, they only signed uh, John Bostic to a two-year deal. Vince Williams deal is up after next year or after this, this next season. So, you know, you, you kind of have to go get a guy at the inside position. I don't think you have a choice there, but in both Bostic and, and Williams are, are, you know, in their late twenties. So, you're not going to probably re-up those guys uh, to a long-term deal after this. So, yeah, you, you have to always draft with an eye to the future, but you also need to improve your depth, and, and that's something that they certainly need to do at the inside linebacker position, at the safety position. What are you eating right now at SeaWorld? 
I'm not eating anything. I'm not saying you sound like you're eating something. I'm just saying, I mean, what kind of food they got at SeaWorld? Probably not any fish. I haven't eaten at Sea. I haven't eaten at SeaWorld. I, I've, okay. I've eaten over at the uh, the NFL meetings, and uh, I've spent. I've actually been over there more than I've been here. I mean, I've you know I've spent a good portion of time over at the uh, over at the Crown. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the place right now. Crown Next to the GW. It's a it's oh. the uh, Ritz, the Ritz Carlton, which is actually very nice. It's like six hundred and fifty dollars a night. Are you paying? I can't for even it? believe. I can't believe they allow me in there. Well, I'm no, I'm not staying there, of course. Oh. But that's where all the owners are at. I bet you Jerry Dulac's staying there. Is Jerry Dulac Jerry, staying there? Jerry is not staying there. Oh. He's actually staying near me. At the uh, He's at the Intercontinental. So oh. if you want to find Jerry, that's where Jerry's at. I actually uh, rented a condo for the week. So Oh, very good. I was going to say, Jerry's probably off at the Ritz right now eating a chicken marsala somewhere. Uh, Jerry's probably golfing right now. Come on. That's true. There is a golf course right at the Ritz. I mean, it's, it's on a course. So. He's probably there with Bruce Arians now that I think about it. <laughs> well, B.A.'s not here. Oh. He's retired. Well, that's what, they, that's what they said before, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Dale, uh, how does Tomlin, part of the competition committee, feel about the new catch rule verbiage? I think he was, he's, he's happy with it, and, of course, it got ratified by all 32 teams today. Um, they were very. He said they were very cognizant of how they worded everything in terms of not just wording it, so that the obvious catches could, I mean, everybody said, as he said, everybody knows what a catch is when they see it, but we also had to draw some things or put some things in there so that when the not so obvious or the unforeseen happens, that there's wording in there that kind of uh, tells the officials how they should rule on this. And he also said, and he's right about this, that most of the time on the field, the guys got it right. It, 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 when it went to replay, it was when you saw a lot of the issues come up. Right. With that. I mean, you think about the Jesse James catch. You think about the catch in the playoffs for the Bills. Um, you know, they were, those were both ruled touchdowns initially, and then overturned. Uh, now, in the, in the case of the Jesse James play, uh, per the old rules, I think they got it right. In terms of the Kelvin Benjamin play in Buffalo, I don't know that they did. Uh, so there, you know, there's there was some there was too much wiggle room there. It was just such a, a poorly I, they they wrote the rule, and then they continued to tweak it after that, and it just turned into this monster, kind of like our tax bill, or, or you know our tax code. You just keep adding things to it and adding things to it, and the next thing you know, you've got you've got a three thousand word book on the on the tax code. That's kind of what happened with the catch rule. So basically, they stripped it down and started over, and this is what they came up with. The only thing that I don't love, and I don't know how you take it out, is the football move. But you need to have some verbiage in there that's going to describe what happens after your feet make contact with the ground and then you start moving. Uh, so I guess yeah. it's not perfect, but I suppose it's the lesser of the two evils then. It's certainly better than what they had. Yeah. And, and they did try to define what a football move is a little bit. Uh, you know, reaching for the goal line or taking that next step, um, those kind of things. So I, I think there is some clarification there. Obviously, there's still some room for interpretation, and I would hope that they would interpret on the side of the catch more often than not. Um, you know, Tomlin also noted that scoring was down two points a game last year. Well, that's the exact opposite of what the NFL wants to happen. They want they want points on the board. So, you know, if you want points on the board, uh, you know, if it's ruled a catch on the field, keep it a damn catch, unless unless you unless you absolutely see something that that just you know anybody could overturn. Let it be a catch. 
Is it Disney World or Disneyland? Uh, down here, I think it's Disney World. Disneyland's in, in uh, California. Okay, right? so you are you can go to Epcot, yes? I could, yes. you got to drink around the world, man. I've already done that. It's fun! <laughs> I did that with Dan Quinlan, who is our esteemed colleague here at iHeartMedia, and we got hammered! It was a great time! I went to a pub, I was drinking some Peronis... I guess that just describes any weekend. Hey, thanks for the time, man. Have fun with your family. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Dale Lolly, DLPittsburghSports.com. How about that? He's the editor. I'll call it what I want to call. 412-922-2874. This catch rule, it hurts my brain. They're making it better, but it doesn't mean it still doesn't suck. We'll get to that coming up in a few minutes. We've also got the five-minute major. Also, Pitt won the day, but they will, will they win a conference game? And Mike Tomlin's 400 years old. There's so much to talk about on today's show. It's the Jamel Show. A lot to get to on today's show. Five-minute major coming up later on in the segment. Jeff Capel's been hired by the University of Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin spouting off the NFL owners' meetings. The catch rule has been unanimously approved by the teams from throughout the National Football League. Dale's at SeaWorld. We got John Prado coming up at 540. I don't even know what to do with myself today. And I'm losing both my friends and colleagues to damn Fortnite. I think they're both off it now, though. Tom's engaged. He's looking me dead in the eye. Brian, I don't know what the hell he's doing. But it doesn't look like his finger's moving the way it was moving before when he was playing Fortnite. What? Oh, Jesus. 412 is the Jamel Show. About Jeff Capel. I'm seeing pit people left and right telling me how great of a hire this is, and it's a slam dunk, and they got the best guy available, and he's got coaching experience. He's also been a great assistant coach. He's a great recruiter. He's a Duke guy. Then, yeah, all that's true, except we don't know if he's a great hire yet. It's the slam dunk hire to make today. It's the slam dunk hire to make for PR's sake. It's the slam dunk hire to make if you want to win the press conference and if you want people to put their script shirts on for one more day. But I don't know if this guy's going to be able to win conference games. Jamie Dixon was a hell of a head coach. He did not have it in the ACC. Just because Jeff Capel sat under Mike Krzyzewski doesn't mean that he can win in the ACC. And maybe he is a great recruiter. He brought Blake Griffin to Oklahoma. He brought in a lot of this big-time recruiting class that Duke's got coming in next year. But how much of that had to do with Duke? How much of that had to do with Mike Krzyzewski? It's not a hard sell to get a kid, a five-star, one-and-done player, to go to the University of Duke, Duke University, whatever it is. It's not that hard to get a one-and-done kid to go play at the University of Kentucky. It's not that hard to get a five-star recruit to go play at Kansas. It is hard to get a five-star recruit to come play at the University of Pittsburgh. It's hard to get a four-star recruit to come play at the University of Pittsburgh. It's hard to build a team 
that's going to compete for an ACC championship when you've got Dukes and North Carolinas and Virginias to compete with every single year. I'm not saying that this guy isn't the right choice for right now, but I am telling you we don't know how good of a choice he actually is when it comes to winning conference games, when it comes to competing in the ACC. We don't know. Pitt won the day. Let's see if they can win a conference game. Pitt won the day. Let's see if this guy can coach. Because the last time he took a turn in coaching, didn't win a Big 12 championship, was seven games under 500, and lost his job because things weren't going well, and he had some impermissible benefit things going on with assistant coaches. Good hire. We'll have to wait and see if it's great. 412-922-2874. We'll open the phone lines for you there. And if you, by any chance, happen to know Jeff Cable, then we'll put you right at the top of the list. You can be the first guy on. Some dude named Jamel called within the first 30 seconds of the show opening because he wanted to talk to me about how well he knows Jeff Cable. I actually have a buddy I went to high school with. Name's John. He was, I don't know what you call it, an assistant on the Duke basketball team for four years. Coach K actually wrote him a recommendation letter. Maybe I'll have that guy on to talk about Jeff Capel. That might actually work. Jamel, unless it's Hill, don't want him on the show. No idea whether or not that person knows anything about basketball. No idea whether that person was even telling the truth. What's to stop anybody from calling up this radio show at 412-922-2874 and saying, well, I'm best friends with Jeff Capel. Nothing. It already happened. I bet you if you're a sports talk junkie and you hop around from station to station that you've heard that guy in every show today. Every last one. Stan had it. Madden had it. Pursuit it probably dealt with the guy. Maybe even the station across the street. If you can even get in on the phone lines. Because they need the phones to carry the content. I guess I can't give the phone number now. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The catch rule was unanimously passed. NFL owners say, hell yeah, we want that thing. Here's what the competition committee wrote. Basically, it's broken down to three things. Control. Two feet down or a body part down. And then a football move. They took away the element of going to the ground. Once you fulfill these three steps. The control, the two feet down, or the body part down, and a football move. It's over. It's completed. The catch is good. What confuses me, though, and I think it's going to confuse a lot of people, is that damn football move. It should be common sense, but you just know that it absolutely will not be, right? The NFL just makes it more convoluted time after time after time. Every time they rewrite a rule, they add an extra layer of BS, and it makes it worse. It's why we had the old catch rule in the first place, and it's why this one's not going to be perfect. Now, you can never get perfect, but I think you need to try to take away some of the ambiguity, and unfortunately, they didn't do any of that when they're talking about that football move. There's also another gray area. You have to have the control. You have to have the two feet down or a body part. 
So what if you catch the football? You've got one foot down and your fingers on the ground. That's a catch, I guess, right? That's a body part. What if his jock is dragging across? What if it's his hair? Does hair count as a body part? I don't know. We'll have to find out. There'll be precedent set. Things learn. And that's what's going to suck. The first three games or so, nobody's going to have any damn clue what's going on. Your ass equals two feet. What about it? if it's one butt cheek? One foot in the butt cheek? What if it's just the butt cheek? I suppose that counts, right? Body part. But then there's the football move. What counts as a football move? What's not a football move? If you catch the ball and both feet are down and you're also falling over, does the act of you losing your balance constitute a football move? Jesse James caught the ball, lunged forward. That's clearly a move. Yes? Clearly a football move. But what if Jesse James catches the football, gets two feet down, gets smashed there at the goal line, and loses the ball as he's falling over? Had the falling over been included, we would have said, okay, that's a football move, touchdown, catch. But if it's not included, if it's just football move, is that a fumble? Now I'm reading places that Jesse James would have completed the catch, but he also would have been down at the one. What the hell? So now we're all going to be confused about when a guy's down and not. Look, fix it. And they are. They're trying, at least. And I guess that's all we can ask. It's never going to be perfect. Although for most of the entire history of the league, we knew what a damn catch was. Devin, next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Devan. And man, as soon as you said that, I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then you took the words right out of my mouth. Because I called up to you before being and moaning about Whoa. what the hell is a football move, man. And they won't. They just they refuse to define what a football move for some reason. And I'm not really into the conspiracies, but I just keep wondering, like, why won't they define what a football move is? Man? I think football move is better than whether or not the player, quote-unquote, survived the ground. But I don't think it's much better. But I, I really don't understand that because I remember Troy Palomalo intercepting a ball, rolling over, clearly having control, getting up, then knocking the ball out of his hand with his own knee, and he said he didn't make a football move. So, you know what I mean? Like, You're 100% right about that. Uh, and that was just them not making sure that they followed the rule. Uh, they did not yeah. apply, that's the word I was looking for, the rule correctly there. Yeah. Uh, the rule as it was written should have allowed that to have been a catch, but it wasn't, and that's what we're always going to run into. And thanks, Devin, for the call, 412-922-2874. You're always going to run into that whether or not the rule book is sound, a referee making the wrong call on the field. Even if the verbiage is totally correct, it doesn't mean that the referee is not going to make a mistake every now and again. Unfortunately, whenever it says football move, you then allow it to be open for interpretation. And then the referee has more say, and we should ideally be looking for the referee to have less say. No. 412-922-2874. We got John Parado coming up at 540 here on the Jamel Show. Mike Tomlin's about 100 years old. You see some of these quotes from Mike Tomlin today at breakfast? First of all, he's 30 minutes late for breakfast. The last coach to get in there. I mean, come on, Tom. What are you doing? Going to SeaWorld? 
going to see the world? What are you doing? Uh, you don't have time to go to see Jerry Dulac at breakfast? Anyway, Tomlin said, quote, on celebrations, I just think it takes away from the game. It's not a good look for young people. Young people aren't allowed to celebrate in that way, so why should we? End quote. So, before the NFL allowed players to celebrate, Mike Tomlin's teams did it all the time, and that never changed. William Gay would get flagged for unnecessary celebration. Mike Mitchell would get flagged for things. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, the list goes on and on and on. Now you're allowed to do it, and Mike Tomlin's like, nah, I don't want it. Ah, wait, my head's going to explode, Mike. Also, this team, the Steelers, probably celebrates more than any team in the National Football League. Certainly right up there with the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's just it, right? Celebrating does not preclude you from winning. Celebrating doesn't make you a bad player. Celebrating doesn't take anything away from you. So why does it send a bad example to young people? Nobody gets hurt. Nobody should be offended. It's fun. How's it take away from the game? The game still happens. It's just extracurricular. If you're old and don't want to see it, go take your pee then. Go grab a Bud Light then. Go throw your spouse down the stairs then. Sorry, overgeneralizing. You don't have to watch it. And a lot of young people actually like it. And just because some kid on the football field in youth football, Pop Warner, is going to score a touchdown and celebrate, doesn't make him a bad guy either. Times are changing, Mike. Roll with it. Tom is supposed to be the ultimate players coach, right? The cheerleader, according to Terry Bradshaw. Well, if he's such a cheerleader, why ain't he cheering his players along now? It's time for the five-minute major. Hey, Tom. It's time for the five-minute major. Tom, would you stop playing Fortnite? It is time for the... It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. The Penguins are better than last year's 